Chapter Twenty Nine of Paul, a Herald of the Cross. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Twenty Nine: The Calling of Timothy. The wife of the dead Andronicus dwelt in a small house near the gates of Lystra. She mingled little with her gayer neighbors, and was but seldom seen either at the fountain or in the marketplace, never in the temple of Jupiter. "'She is a Jewess,' whispered her neighbors with a shrug, when the young Greek first brought his dark-eyed bride to dwell in the village. The whisper was repeated many times during the quiet years that followed, but it was never more than a whisper, for Andronicus was known to be a man with whom it was not safe to quarrel. In the third year of their marriage a child was born— and six months later the father died of fever. There was much rude sympathy expressed for the widow. She received it quietly. "'Thou shouldst fetch thy boy to the temple, or he will be unlucky,' said one of these would-be comforters, fixing curious eyes upon the delicate, tear-stained face. "'The jealous gods have already punished thee by slaying thy husband. What if they also smite thy son, and thou be left desolate like the impious Niobe?' At that the widow, she was called Eunice, cried out with a loud and bitter cry lo i am desolate my god hath smitten me because that i turned aside from the law of israel the curse hath come upon me even as the priest of jehovah said but what could i do for my heart flew out of my bosom like a dove and followed after my beloved spare thou my son o jehovah who also art the god of the widow and the fatherless Thou wilt do well if thou pray no more to strange gods, persisted the woman. Come now with me, and make an offering to the good Venus. The goddess will perchance send thee another husband, for indeed thou art comely enough in thy way. Eunice arose from her place looking very tall and stately. Thou shalt not repeat such words in my ears, she said quietly. But there was that in her eyes which caused her neighbor to hastily withdraw, muttering something about the weak baking. A few days later an elderly woman was seen to enter the cottage by the gate, upon whose neck the young widow fell with tears and sobs. They had dwelt there all three ever since, the quiet years bringing little change save to the babe, who despite the dismal prognostications of the townspeople had grown into a serious, slender lad of fifteen. Timothy, for so he was called, was not like the other boys of the town, for in his early childhood he had been seldom allowed outside the walls of his mother's little garden, and as he grew older he shrank timidly from the loud-mouthed, quarrelsome urchins who swarmed in the village streets. Once, when he was in his sixth year, tempted by the sound of music, he had stolen out from the gate. A heathen procession was passing, with solemn chanting and the playing of pipes and lutes. The boy stood as if spellbound, his delicate face aglow, his yellow curls shining in the sunlight like an aureole. But on a sudden his dream of delight was rudely broken. A rabble of boys, big and little, who brought up the rear of the procession, spied him standing there. "'Hi! Jew! Jew!' they cried defensively. "'Get thee out of sight, for thou hast an evil eye! Get thee back to thy witch-mother!' The words smote the child like the blow of a brutal fist. He scarce noted the stinging smart of the pebbles which rattled about his ears. "'Mother! Mother!' he cried, rushing back into the garden. And mother, mother, was all he could say for his weeping. It was the wise grandmother, Lois, who took him upon her knee, and after a time coaxed from him some account of what had taken place. "'They called thee a Jew,' she said, her eyes kindling. "'Thanks be to Jehovah, thou hast the blood of Israel in thy veins.' "'Daughter, we have done evil, in that we have kept the child thus long from his birthright.' 
From that time the little Timothy was daily instructed in the wonderful history of his mother's people. "'If the Messiah should come, mother,' he said one day thoughtfully, "'how shall we know it in this place, so far from our own nation?' "'He will gather his elect from every nation, son of mine,' she answered tenderly. Yet her heart misgave her as he looked into his face with its Greek forehead and mouth and the deep sad eyes of her own race. Would the haughty prince of Israel receive this son of an apostate Jewess and a heathen Greek? That he would be cast forth with loathing from any Jewish synagogue in the land she knew right well. She bemoaned herself because of these things to her mother, and the good Lois replied stoutly, There be more words than the law written in the scriptures, my daughter, and all of them for our good. Behold, in a marketplace there be set forth many things for food, both of fish, of beasts, and of fowls, eggs also and fruits, corn, wheat, barley, and green things from the gardens, honey from the hives, likewise the milk of herds, butter, and cheese of goat's milk. Yet no man eateth all of them on a single day, but chooseth from among them such things as he has stomach for. Thus he is nourished, and made strong for the labor of life. So in the scriptures we have the law, which is the strong meat. But there be also loving and goodly sayings which nourish the fainting soul, even as the dewy figs. The delicate honey and the fresh milk nourish the fainting body, whereas the strong meats would cause distemper. Listen now, whilst I read to thee from the words of David, who also sinned grievously in the eyes of the Lord, yet was forgiven. I love the Lord, because he hath heard my supplications, because he hath inclined his ear unto me. Therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of death got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord, and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the helpless. I was brought low, and he helped me. And again, if thou, O Lord, should march iniquities, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with thee. With the Lord there is mercy. With him there is plenteous redemption. Canst thou not find comfort and satisfaction in such words, my daughter? Yes, truly, but, said Eunice, hung her head sadly. My son is not, he is not of the chosen race. The mother's faded cheek flushed. Her grandson Timothy was the apple of her eye. Tell me, she cried, was not Ruth the Moabitess also an alien, of whom the neighbor woman said to Naomi the Jewish, Behold, thy daughter-in-law which loveth thee is better than seven sons? whose son's son was also David, king of Israel, of which lineage, it is written, shall come in the fullness of time the Messiah. Thy son Timothy shall be blessed. With mine eyes also shall I see it. Without waiting for an answer, the good woman rose up from her place, and wrapping herself in her veil, went out to the marketplace. I will buy a choice fowl, she said in her heart, that I may make a goodly dish for the lad and for his mother. I will dress it, moreover, with mine own hands, that they may eat and be glad. Surely savory meat maketh a merry heart, and there is overmuch sadness under our roof. There was a crowd in the marketplace that morning, at which Lois inwardly wondered, but she walked straight towards the poulterer stall, intent only upon her errand. How much art thou asking for a choice fowl this morning? she said, but the keeper of the stall was paying no heed. He was standing upon an upturned basket, mouth and eyes wide open, apparently engrossed with his efforts to hear something which was going on over against the fish market. "'Sluggard!' exclaimed Lois wrathfully. "'Thou wouldst do well to attend to thy business. "'Eyes that wander to and fro, and ears that hear not the call of duty, "'so shall poverty come upon thee as an armed man.' "'She turned, nevertheless, to see what the man was looking at, "'and straightway forgot the poulterer and her errand with him. 
elevated slightly above the heads of the rustic crowd which gathered about him stood a small dark man a fragment of what he was saying floated distinctly across the intervening space and in this is the son of god may manifest that while we were yet sinners christ died for us for the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ our lord the messiah gasped lois turning pale he speaks of the messiah dropping her basket she hurried back to the little cottage by the gate come she cried breathlessly seizing the startled eunice by the arm come quickly there be tidings of the messiah the lad too where is he and so it came to pass that lois and eunice and the boy timothy heard the story of jesus from the lips of paul it never entered their simple hearts to doubt either the man or his message and while they wept much at the thought of the terrible cross they also caught something of the triumphant joy of the inspired speaker as he flung a halo of glory about the symbol of shame and death the three witnessed the healing of the lame man but had withdrawn immediately afterward to the safe shelter of home alarmed by the shouts and cries of the turbulent multitude that he who had brought such joy and gladness into their souls was in any peril at the hands of the enthusiastic villagers never occurred to them little wonder that yonder poor idolaters think the man paul a god lois had remarked with a smile as they sat in their little garden the late afternoon sunshine lying warm and pleasant about them but he will teach them all things in the days to come an hour later they stood weeping about his motionless body who was truly what the villagers had declared a messenger of the most high bring him to my house whispered lois as he began to show signs of life it is near the gate no one will see and there through the night they ministered to him binding up his wounds and pouring upon his bruised spirit the wine and oil of affection and sympathy which he so sorely needed as the mists of pain cleared away from before his vision he became conscious of the face of the lad timothy luminous with love as with the face of an angel the soul of the lonely man went out toward him my son he said calling him to his side dost thou believe on the lord jesus christ who died upon the cross for our redemption and for whose name i also have tasted death this day i do believe and with all my heart replied the lad sinking to his knees beside the couch then do thou lay fast hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and the lord keep and bless in thee in all thy ways from this time forth even for ever and the gray light of the early dawn he called them all about him we must be going he said for the day is at hand it must find us many miles from this place but thou art not able to travel cried lois in dismay surely thou wilt tarry with us till thou art recovered of thy wounds i can do all things through christ that strengtheneth me he replied gravely then he prayed with them and blessed them we shall be with you again before many days he said as he bade them farewell for if god wills we shall return to all the cities wherein we have preached the gospel that we may comfort and confirm them which have believed the two women and the lad stood in the morning twilight their wet eyes fixed upon the retreating figures of the travellers the wounded man limped painfully as he walked at the sight of the tears of the women streamed forth afresh alas sobbed eunice he will die by the wayside but timothy's face shone i love him he murmured i shall always love him end of chapter twenty nine